Welcome to God's Not Done With You podcast. In this season of interviews, Pastor John Metter talks with everyday people whose lives parallel some of the amazing comeback stories in the Bible. Pastor John and his guests will show us how God can take any situation in life and bring hope and victory out of hardship. This is John Metter at Cross City Church and uh, the author of God's Not Done With You. And this is the God Not Done With You podcast, one of several that we're putting out. And this is an episode on the life of Esther. Esther's life is an incredible story, if you remember. Uh, this was a mother without, I mean, this was a woman without a mother or a father uh, who was adopted by her uncle Mordecai. And uh, actually, by technical definition, he was basically a distant cousin to her. And um, he adopted her and during a time when the Jews were under captivity to Babylon, and it was really an unusual situation uh, where the king uh, deposed the queen and had a nationwide beauty contest to find a new queen. This was all in a very strong patriarchal uh, society, uh, a lot of misogyny, a lot of things in this story that uh, are standing out to us. Long story short, Esther was one of the most beautiful women in the kingdom, and she became queen. And uh, that led to her having an unusual opportunity to save her people. So it's a phenomenal story. And as with all of God's Not Done With You stories, I've tried to find a modern-day parallel to Esther, and it's kind of hard to do. There's not a lot of queens out there, number one, in the sense of a national queen. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that God has been at work at in their life uh, who have been adopted and who have experienced what that is like to see the compassion of God working through adoptive parents. And today we have a good friend of mine, Deanna Dar, uh, who is a school teacher in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and has been for many years and uh, a longtime church member, 22 years as a church member here at, at Cross City Church and 25 years as a teacher. She's had so many students come through her classes and has had extraordinary influence uh, on those students. Uh, but Deanna, thank you so much for joining the podcast with me. Thank you for allowing me to be here. You've got just a great, great story. And uh, we're really going to focus on the adoption side of that because uh, that's a, an amazing story that you have and that you've lived out. So let me ask you, what can you tell us about the circumstances of your adoption? It's very unusual, as I recall. Well, in um, 1999, I believe, um, on the internet, I found my birth mother. It was right when the internet was kind of invented and all of these websites were coming up. And I'd put my information on there and it ended up have, making a match. Um, I got a call on my, uh, back then, answering machine that said that they had had a match. We, um, I sent in this affidavit thing that I could get it, uh, get all the information released and so I started emailing this woman who turned out to be my birth mother, and she told me her story. Um, she was 19 years old. Uh, she lived in Mississippi, but her parents were expats in Indonesia, and so she was all alone, and she found herself pregnant um, from a one-night stand, and she had no one to turn to except hopefully, possibly, this half-sister that she hardly knew that lived in Houston. So she traveled to Houston, showed up at her sister's doorstep, and was told to get lost. She had nowhere to go, and so she actually ended up at the Catholic Diocese of Houston, 
which is um, in spring next to St. Joseph's Hospital. And she moved in with the nuns, and she stayed there, and they took care of her during her pregnancy. Uh, she played the piano and sang for them. She prepared to give birth to me. Um, I was born a month early, so they had me in the NICU unit uh, for being a preemie, and she said, I will not leave until she's viable and she can come out of there. And so she stuck around in the hospital until I was able to come out. Um, and then she left. She went to Hollywood, and she became a casting director, and she was actually Deborah Winger's double in Urban Cowboy and Terms of Endearment. Um, she did all the things that she had dreamed of doing, mm. and I was given to a family. Wow. Um, my family, uh, my parents had been told that they couldn't have children, had any more children. They already had my brother. And um, that because they wanted a newborn baby girl, that it would probably be a couple of years before they would be able to have, before they would have a baby available. But because my birth mother was uh, Cherokee, she had put as one of the caveats that the adoptive family had to have Native American blood. And so my adoptive mother does. She has... It's just a smidge, but she has enough to where she could put that down that she wow. does have Native American blood. And so within two weeks, uh, they got a call that there was a baby for them. And so um, I lived with a foster family while all of the paperwork was done. And then on July 25th, 1975, that's my gotcha day. And my parents came to get me. Wow. I love the gotcha day phrase. It really means a lot to someone like yourself that's been adopted or to adoptive parents. And uh, not everybody knows that phrase, but the gotcha day is, is, is really a cool day in, in the life of all these involved. So how old were you when you started investigating? You said you were... In 1997 is when I, I spent, or no, 1996, I spent a summer playing around on the computer because we were finally able to have right, you know right. the internet for everyone. And I'm in charge of my class reunions, so I found this uh, this website called reunionregistry.com, mm -hmm. and I filled out all the you know class reunion information, and then they had a tab for adoption. I right. thought, well, why not? And so I had my birth certificate, and I had some of my adoption papers that my, my parents had given me, and so I went and filled in all the information mm -hmm. that I had, and it was two years before... The match was made. Right. It takes a long time but, sometimes. Yeah. But she put her information on there, and within 30 minutes, it made the match with us. Oh, so wow. It, wow. it was very quick once she put her information. Wow. In. Had you always had that desire in your heart to, to know who your birth mother was? I mean, did your adoptive parents tell you early on? I was told before I even knew what it meant. Uh, when I was about two, I, I could tell people that I'm adopted. When I was four... And I started to read. My parents gave me a book that explained what that meant. And then um, from that point, I started pretending. Uh, for a long time, I truly believed that Jeannie from I Dream of Jeannie was my birth mother. And I would walk around blinking my eyes trying to make things happen. <laughs> and then later, I saw Smokey and the Bandit. And I was convinced that uh, Sally Field and Burt Reynolds were my my birth parents and they just with their busy schedules they couldn't keep me so they put me up for adoption i went through oh, several wow. stages as a child where i was always always curious uh then as an adult 
when I started having to make doctor's appointments for myself and I was having to put not applicable on all of the, um, on all of the paperwork, I was like, I would really like to know my medical history and that kind of thing. And that's when I started doing real for, for real searches. Because you're curious and creative. I mean, Burt Reynolds and Sally Field, really? I mean, look at and, me. Uh, I mean, you don't drive a Trans Am, do you? No, no. No, that's the one thing that's missing there, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I've always heard, you know, that people that have been adopted know uh, in their hearts they will someday find those adopted parents, uh, the parents or, that were their biological parent. And you've got a phenomenal story with that. You know, at some point in the recent past, I preached a message that had to do with adoption. And part of that message had to do with that God shows his compassion through compassionate people. Sometimes we wonder where the compassion of God is, and often we see it through compassionate people. So how do you see God working through your life in that sense with your adoptive parents? We've heard about your biological mom. What about those adoptive parents? Uh, How did the compassion of God get shown to you through that? Well... Once I met my my birth mother, she's a very nice woman, and I very much enjoyed getting to know her, but she's not a believer, and um, she was raised with Cherokee, with a pagan uh, pagan faith system, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, and even though we shared the gospel with her when we met her, it didn't it didn't take not not with ours. We planted some seeds, have not seen the fruit from that. But I can look at the fruit in my own life and being raised in uh, a Christian household in a small town where, uh, where everyone knows everyone else. I was able to grow in my faith through close relationships with friends, with family, and, um, and with pastors who, who shaped me. I've been very, very blessed in that so that when I did go to college and I was I was on my own and I had more freedom. I stuck with that and have since, you know, I've, you know, rebelled a little and wavered a bit because all people do, but I always come back to my roots Wow, wow! and I have those roots, not from my birth, but from my adoption. And I feel because of that, that, um, nurture is more important than nature. You've said that before, and I've I've heard that before, and I think it's a phenomenal statement. It really is. So you would say, I'm sure, to Christian parents or parents-to-be or parents who wish to be parents, people that wish to be parents, that adoption is one way that God shows his love and brings the gospel to people that need adoptive parents, right? Absolutely. And I think more Christians, if they realize just what all is going on in that realm, would step up in different ways, more ways, to either be adoptive parents or support those who do. And there are particular challenges with adopting children today, legal challenges, financial challenges, circumstantial challenges, so many. And our desire at some point is for the church to come alongside people uh, in a really strong way to help them be encouraged to be adoptive parents like yours. So talk about some more things uh, in the sense of how you saw God working uh, through adoption in their life? Well, I feel like I've had many, many people brought into my life who have been in various various aspects of adoption, I suppose. Um, and I think God has done that on purpose, uh, not just to remind me of the beauty of my adoption, but also for me to be an encouragement to them. 
Um, I have one friend from high school who adopted a sibling group of five and went from zero kids to five kids in one fell swoop. (laughs) Um, I have a friend who uh, she really wanted to carry the child herself. uh, So she adopted an embryo from, uh, from in vitro that weren't Mm going to be used. Mm -hmm. And so they adopted out their, their embryos. And so she was able to carry a child and, and, and have him. Um, I watched one family held the hands of good friend who they were in the midst of the adoption. They were at the hospital to pick up the, the newborn and the mother changed her mind there in the hospital and the heartbreak that they went through with that just to turn around and a few months later they got a call and they said, we have another baby for you. Come get her. And now their family is complete because of that. Um, But being able to walk with these people through their adoption experiences as an adoptee, Mm -hmm. I think that has been a blessing to me in ways that I can't even describe. Well, when you hear the Bible verse in Romans that talks about how we're adopted sons and daughters of God, what is that? What does that do to you? Because, I mean, that should do to you something that may be a little deeper, a little different than it does to the average person. doesn't even think about that. When I was in high school, I went through my Bible and I highlighted the word adoption every time it was used because I did feel like God was using those verses to speak directly to me. And I still feel feel that today. Um, I laugh with my brother because the adoption means that legally I can't be uh, disowned, but he can because they gave birth to him <laughs> and I'm solid. Like legally they can't do any, nothing can be taken from me. <laughs> and you mentioned that once in a sermon uh, several weeks ago. And I remember poking Amy Dixon and was like, Hey, that's me. I can't be taken away. I right. can't be disowned. What a joy to be able to tell your brother that you're more special than he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm just special in different ways. <laughs> and that is true that the Bible uses that word adoption uh, to remind people of that day of the Roman era. The laws of the Roman era were such that an adoptive son or daughter could never be disowned, but a biological one could be. And uh, because that parent, that adoptive parent, had investigated to every degree that they could what that adoptive son or daughter would bring to the family. And it was a logical choice. It was a it was a reasoned choice. Uh, in some cases, it had to do with the family fortune to be made. And, um, and so they could not ever disown them. And, and uh, what an incredible way for God to take that reality and that definition of just one word, the word adoption, and bring it into our relationship with him where we could never be disowned because of the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. Man, that's a powerful analogy that, um, that you've lived out in so many different ways, not just spiritually, but physically. Uh, you understand that. So when people think about uh, adopting or they think about um, the fact that they are adopted or when some mom-to-be who's carrying a child wonders about the wisdom uh, of adopting a child out, what kind of general uh, counsel would you give them? Obviously, it's been positive for you, but how would you encourage them? Well, for, for fellow adoptees, um, I know we have a connection because there are some some feelings that come along with that of uh, sometimes of inadequacy or um, abandonment, things like that. Um, 
And I, for adoptive parents, I would say just always be encouraging to your, your child, um, telling them how much you love them, how special they are, um, and letting them know that God is in control no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, for those moms that are thinking about adoption as an, as an option, um, I would say prayerfully look at it. Uh, look at it from all angles because sometimes it's just a financial thing that that they are looking at and I can't handle this or emotionally I can't handle this um, and it takes a lot of guts to put a child up for adoption mm-hmm. uh, it takes a moral strength that mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of people especially when they find themselves in vulnerable situations like that a moral strength that they don't think they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just want to say you do have that. Mm-hmm. You do have that strength inside of you, and God can make it stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that that feeling of giving your child away, but then I also can't imagine how wonderful it would be to know that you're giving your child the best life that they could possibly have. Mm-hmm. I use my story... My, I mean, I had the perfect childhood. I was raised on a farm. I climbed trees and I fed the chickens and I milked the cows and I, you know, I rode my bike up and down dirt roads and caught fireflies at night before I went in to watch the Dukes of Hazard. I mean, I had the epitome of an 80s childhood. And then I got to go on to what I consider the most amazing college in the entire world and get a wonderful education. Um, I don't think those opportunities would have been there for me had Mm. I not been given up for adoption. And I'm for those moms. I mean, just use your imagination. Just imagine all of the wonderful things that your child will get to experience because of the decision that you've made. You know, our, our church is desiring to reach out even more to moms that are at the point of decision. Uh, and our culture, frankly, points people towards abortion instead of adoption. And there are all kinds of barriers to adoption from money to circumstances to complexity. I mean, there's so many hurdles to jump over. And our church desires to make those decisions more streamlined, easier, but also to reach out to the mom to be in the community that says, we love you. We care about you. Uh, we're not rejecting you. We're coming alongside you. And uh, I think you can understand the importance of that to be for us to be able to say the compassion of God will be exercised towards you, um, regardless of how you got in this situation of being pregnant and not knowing what you were going to do in the future. We want to come alongside moms to be uh, in order to do that. And you can be a big help in that as well. So when you go to the story of Esther, which is what this chapter of the book is all about, and you hear how Esther rose to prominence and power uh, through the encouragement of her adoptive father, Mordecai. Um, just what kind of, what, what does that story mean to you? Well, honestly, I've never thought of it in that way. My very first precept that I ever did was of Esther, uh, and, and it's because it's a short book, and it was our first foray into this type of study, and I honestly don't even remember that being one of the things we discussed. But then when you said it, I looked back at the story and I thought, wow, it really is because of her adoption and because of who raised her 
that's why Israel was saved. And that just, it blows my mind that that one little thing, that one little yes that Mordecai said changed the course of history. And it reminds me those but God moments um, that God is bigger than what we think he Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. He has more power than what we give him credit for. Um, His plans are better than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. We're not always going to see it because her not having a mom and dad obviously would be a devastating thing to be in. But God used that tragic situation to do great things. And the Romans 8, 28, that that God has a purpose that is for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, So many things that come into play there that I never thought of until you asked me to do this podcast. (laughs) And then I had a huge, like, epiphany of wow that really does work that works that way yeah that's so encouraging and and my encouragement to you if you're listening to the podcast today and and you see something of yourself in in the story whether you're an adoptive mother or whether you have a child you've adopted or whether you are a child that has been adopted or you're a a mom-to-be or a mom considering adoption uh, that you can see God's hand in all this it's not as tragic as you might imagine in fact it may have like you said Deanna uh, a surprise uh, and influence that you've never considered and I love the fact that the Bible takes a story like Esther and brings out one aspect of that and highlights it for us to see and and then it really connects with us with where we are uh, right here and now and that's where you've been your whole life in one way or another and Deanna I just am so grateful for your willingness to uh, share the story and um, I think that we'll talk with you again at some point soon because we're going to be talking about this FAM ministry, foster and uh, adoptive ministry. Uh, really, foster adoptive ministry is what FAM stands for. Uh, it's not connected with the book, God's Not Done With You, but it is connected to our church, across City Church, and it's connected to hopefully hundreds of young women and moms-to-be and uh, parents-to-be who are adoptive parents, uh, or at least considering it, that would let more stories like this unfold and let more lives be touched in some way. But I thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, it's just great to have you in this in this room. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. <laughs> let me uh, also just encourage you to, to send this podcast on to friends and others who may need to hear about the adoption process. Uh, I know that if you know someone that's considering any part of this, this would be encouraging to them to hear that God does work through this in a supernatural way that we can't envision. And Deanna Dar is proof positive that God exercises compassion through the adoption process and that he places people in unique positions to thrive for him. So until next time, this is John Metter with the God's Not Damaged Podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening.